Hey guys, just a quick one before today's episode with Jasmine. If you are preparing for the upcoming season or perhaps you're preparing for a show in 2021, you can head over to vwphysique.com and download your free Bikini Girl Rotation. Hope you enjoyed today's episode guys and remember whatever you do, give it the beans. Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans Now. It is my pleasure to introduce someone I met a few uh, months ago um, when I competed in March, the only show that went ahead this year. Um, I uh, walked into a room and thought, no one here knows me, it's fine, we're all good. A lot of male bodybuilders getting a tan on, you know, it was quite cold in that room. Um, To then be uh, met by, are you Callum's client? (laughs) And it was the one and only Jasmine. So Jasmine, how are we doing today? I'm good. Um, as I said to you, the sun's out, so there's no complaints. But yeah, I remember you just being like, obviously with prep brain and stuff, people are tense. They can't like, it's a quite a delayed response when you say something to them. Yeah. And you were like, like you question yourself, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah that's me. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, because um, I obviously live up in Scotland and I travel down, um, I think it was like four hours in the car to then, like, we went straight to the place to get the town. Um, and have to have say, you come to I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, it was pretty cool. But there'll be a few people listening that are like, Vaughn, that's really, really cool, but I don't know who Jasmine is. So what I would like you to do is give a big introduction to who you are, what you do, your history within sort of bodybuilding, competing, but more okay. importantly, your business as well. Okay, go ahead, we start. Right. So, Jasmine Jeffrey, I used to be Jasmine Anderson, if people are like, I swear I've heard Jasmine Anderson like a few times before. Um, I started actually a podcast called Not Just Bikini Girl, which was like three years ago, when I first got into the competing like world in 2017. And then um, I, I got into competing purely because I had problems with my hips and knees ever since I was a child. Um, I couldn't wear heels, which is ironic because now... My business is surrounded heels and I wear heels and it's very, very odd. Um, but I was told I wasn't allowed to run. Um, I should avoid going upstairs because of the pain and the pressure I put on my hips and knees. Um, like, for me, I got into weightlifting first because I wanted to live a normal life and I didn't want to wake up in pain anymore. So okay. when I got into competing, my goal was already done. Like, I wanted to not be in pain and feel strong. So... Competing was kind of like a right, let's really push myself outside my comfort zone. Um, and when I did my first show, I just remember, like, people relate to this, how overwhelmed and stressed I was, especially your first show. You have no idea what's going on. And back, like, three years ago, I just remember trolling through so many different, like, I was literally trolling the internet trying to find information, desperate just to find some sort of guidance, like what do I do about shoes, what do I do about hair, what about makeup, blah, 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 blah. On top of having to get everything, I was having to go to one place like in America, pay crazy customers charges for like these pair of earrings, which were overpriced anyway, like £25 for earrings is a joke. Um, and then having to go one place for shoes, they didn't even come. Um, and the woman didn't reply to me. I had to go to the high street to get other stuff. And I thought, why is this so stressful and overwhelming? Like, I come from a digital marketing background. So I would just go to the website. Like, why is this website so hard to use? Why is there no information? So I was kind of through all those frustrations that I thought, this is just ridiculous. Like, this needs to get sorted out. So um, I decided to embark on the crazy mission of trying to... Um, sort all of that out so i set up compact purely to kind of remove some of the i guess the barriers and the confusion because there is so much confusion people don't know half the time what to do a lot of times actually coaches especially if they're male coaches obviously this directs for you but some of them don't know like and they have and if you've got no one to bounce off like how are you going to guide that person the best because you can put all the work into your client and then they get super stressed out because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where to get everything. Like, and then all that work's pretty much gone to nothing. Um, so yeah, I pretty much stressed it just to help the industry. Um, I really wanted to just put my spin on it because I just, I just became so frustrated with other companies and the industry in general. And I thought, well, if no one else is going to be doing it, um, then I'll, I'll give it a crack. So yeah. You, you certainly sort of got a niche in the market for having like everything that was in the one place 
And yeah. I know now Jasmine, uh, for those listening, uh, requested not to be sent the question list that I have, but you already <laughs> answered my next one, which was why why did you start Compact? But it's like a note. Exactly that, right? I got it. I got it from your website. Um, when I was going through this, sort of, you've got articles on your website which are yeah. really super informative. But Thank you. what you just described about a male coach. That reminds me of the first year that I prepped some females. You know, they were like, Savon, what should you do with your bikini? Savon, what should you do with your And I was like, um, <laughs> um, I don't really know. And then what happened to troll the internet? And it's just like so stressful in itself. So yeah. yeah, 100%. So it does take away, I think that from a male coaching perspective, it takes away the stress, I suppose. If you're a sole male coach and you work with a lot of bikini girls, um, I imagine that if there is a coach out there that does that, they probably know a lot because of experience but when I first started I didn't have a clue so that might be a, a good thing and this isn't a question I thought of but for any male coaches out there that are listening they do prep bikini girls what should they be aware of in regards to say heels bikinis etc etc just a you, you just bang off a list of things that they should know to help their athletes out what would that be okay so if you're going to be like the best coach ever you're going to tell them at least eight weeks before they show, before their show, get all your stuff now. You do not want to be stressing. Like if you're trying to calm your client down, if they're meant to be reducing their steps, but they're stressing out because they haven't got everything and they're having to run to the high street because they haven't thought about getting everything they need, then people don't understand. And I've noticed myself, both in off season prep, like how much stress can affect you both mentally and your physique. Yeah. so much and when your hormones are going all over the place you forgetting or you not having a certain item that you need is going to throw you off i've been there right i've been there my first show i cried because i left earrings at home and i didn't bring a back up like Damn. and that completely like threw me off and that sounds really silly to a normal person but to people like ourselves like it is a quite stressful thing so i would just say eight weeks out just say to them, look, have you thought about getting everything that you need right now? If your prep rate is going to be getting worse, you just want to make sure you're just reducing as much stress as possible. You need to be saying to them eight weeks out, have you started exfoliating your skin yet? Are you doing your skin prep? Because there's nothing worse. Again, if you put all that work in with your client and then they're like, oh, no, I didn't even know I had to do exfoliation. I didn't even think I needed to start it, blah, blah, blah. And then the tan doesn't look as good because they haven't put that effort in. It's just kind of giving them like that checklist. Um, another thing as well is posing. And I say it's like posing coaches as well. If someone isn't getting the poses and say they've come to you like four or five times, a lot of times it's actually not the posing coach that's doing something wrong. It's the fact they've got the wrong shoes on. Whether they're too narrow, too tight, like too wide, high heel or the height height of the heel can't talk height of the heel isn't like big enough smaller than the platform the arc like all these little things make such a difference and this is something that I don't think people really aware of because I don't think there was anyone really given that information and testing and trying every single heel I have tested and tried every single shoe on that website I know them at the back of my head right uh, that's uh, cars know nothing about. Give me shoes, I know them. So it's those little things that make such a difference. But the people sometimes just it, they miss it. Um, so that's hopefully what I'm trying to do is just be like, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? Absolutely. Now, are you sure that you've not hacked into my laptop and seen the question list? Because that was what was coming next was literally about heels. Because I know from what you just said, right? There's, there'll be there'll be a, a lot of listeners out there that have just went. Oh my god! I didn't realise that there was there was different types of heels. And my next question was going to be for those girls that are listening. Could you explain yeah. the difference? Now, I, it's going to be hard to roughly yeah. suggest. Okay, if you're say five foot nine, if you're five foot seven, six foot one, these heels I'd go for. But could you maybe explain the difference between them? What would be sort of suited? And then at the very end of that, maybe we could talk about the difference in sort of. I know that for some federations, it's there's rules, isn't yeah. there? So if we could just start with difference between heels and we'll crack on from there. 
Okay, so differences for heels. I'm going to try and make this like as condensed as possible. Oh but no! When it just comes down to it, elaborate. Go for it. With heels, you've got different like different elements. You've got the heel height. Why is my hair on my hand? Right, <laughs> got the heel height, and then you've got the arch of the plat. You've got the platform, but then that platform can either be flat or it can be arched, and that makes a difference with your posing and how um, confident confident you are with walking. On top of that, obviously, if it's a strap or a nice strap. On top of that as well, if someone has really wide feet um, and they're going into like something which is really narrow, or no, it's probably the wrong way. So, okay, say so you've got wide feet. Everyone seems to follow what the Bikini Olympia does. Now she's wearing Diamante shoes. Everyone seems to think they've got to buy Diamante shoes. That style that she wears, the Lip 108 DMs, are the most narrow style that you can want you can buy if you're trying to like condense your feet into those shoes that's not going to be good in your posing like the base of your foot is so important when you're posing being able to kind of plant it and rotate now if you're in comparison to how much more sturdy you're going to feel like that in comparison to that like if you're squishing all your feet in Yep. Um, so it's kind of not following what the pros do like remember those pros they're wearing five inch heels but they've been doing this for years I didn't start wearing five inch heels until probably this year. So it's kind of thinking, right, what's my experience wearing heels? What do I usually feel comfortable with? What do I wear on nights out and I'm still wearing those heels at the end of the night? They're kind of like different indications as to like where you need to be going. Um, I think when I first started Compaq, there was a lot of confusion because federations and they are slowly changing this and anytime I work with federation now I actually won't work with them unless they change their posing shoe rules because the only thing that frustrates me is and I might be speaking out of turn here but a lot of federations maybe male owned and directed they're putting rules about posing shoes when they don't understand the rules that they're setting and why they're setting them and how confusing that is for a competitor like my like, ultimate goal would be have every single federation basically say wear clear, clear heels up to five inches, boom. Because if they understood how different these shoes are and how individual they are, I think they might change their rules, but it really like confuses people because they spend so much time worrying about whether their shoes are going to be fitting the federation instead of fitting them. And that's what it should be doing. It should be fitting them, not what the federation are kind of saying. Um, so yeah, it's getting better. Like federations are starting to kind of loosen up because they need to. And the thing is, if you're a competitor, you don't want to be spending an extra 50, 60 pounds to get new shoes just to compete in a show. Like how silly is that? You want to be buying shoes that are going to last you for all your shows. Like, that's kind of the ideal. So, so you, I get really passionate about this because I just know how annoying it is no, for I've, girls having to deal with these things. And that's probably the biggest DM I get. Like, what shoes am I allowed to wear? And it's like, yeah. like they're going for a federation that are still being tight and restricted and it makes such a difference with your posing. So, yeah, do, that's do, my rant over for today. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I like the passion that you speak with, but what I wondered is, do you think that is federations perhaps as you said maybe one point was it being the being sort of male owned or just the fact they're trying to separate like oh if you compete with us then you're only allowed to do this and that makes us different from you know so and so and that means that you won't because some federations get a little bit like uh what's the word a little bit arse if you compete with someone else right not 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 so much but some of them do do you think that's anything to do with it or is it just a case of literally us guys know fuck all about shoes and Perhaps they should maybe just bring you in and say, right, what fucking should what what should our rules be? Um, what do you think? Um, it's a good question. Maybe when it was the trend of you had to be loyal potentially, but now we're in this time of the industry where there's so many different federations and you don't really have to be loyal unless you're pro, and even then, obviously, there's kind of leeway depending on the federation. Um, I just don't think it's what it's not needed anymore. Like it's just not warranted. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe the, the 
guys just are kind of they were quite outdated i don't know maybe they don't think that people are even like like reading the criteria but like trust me people are um people are so i I do hope uh, as time goes on more federations are doing that um and yeah like for example the strong classic i spoke to darren um and Richard, as soon as their criteria came out, I messaged Richard and Darren. I was like, change that now. I was like, if you change, if you don't change that, I said, that's going to put people off. Because that's like, they, that's a one less, that's one more stress they've got. Think and they're like, oh, we didn't realise. And now they've changed it. And it's like, cool, it's sorted. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. yeah. No, Hopefully it'll change. No, to go back to any other point you said about, if it's, if it's not the posing coach, it's often the heels. Now, for, yeah. so, for someone listening, they, they've they maybe kind of thought of that and went, well, what does that really mean? So, would, you know, is that just perhaps saying that, okay, in certain poses, that might say lift the, the glute up a little bit more and then allow us to have the waist look smaller? So, just for the girls out there, could you just give a little bit of an idea of, okay, number one, I, I imagine as a guy, okay, I'll admit, I've never walked in heels before, right? And I think I'm a lot better than that. I can get size 12, up to size 12, and even 13. So, I, was, I was waiting to say, unfortunately, I'm a 13, but... I'm your girl, just say it. <laughs> you can't I sort it out, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, apart from just the, okay, maybe perhaps adds to the illusion, um, do you feel that it is, especially with first-timers, it's a confidence thing in, like, the, I assume, fear of falling? Is that a thing with, with the heels? Yeah. Or? Yeah. <laughs> For me, I came into competing um, because I was told um, because I had to learn how to walk in heels first and then learn the poses. Um, the reason why I say sometimes it is the shoes is I remember a few years ago, it was all the case of you have to wear, like, I've got to wear strapless because the pros wear strapless and strapless elongates the legs, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, that's great, hun, but if you can't walk in those strapless heels, it's pointless. Like, that is, is pointless because you're not going to be confident. And I, do you know what? I do this a lot. When I'm watching someone on stage, as soon as they don't look confident, I look at their shoes. Because a lot of times, I can see their feet, like, grabbing onto that shoe and it's a strapless one. So it's like, thinking about these different things, do not, this is what I say, do not follow the crowd with it. Um, being a first-timer, I would say, you. most of them will want to go for heels um, with a strap like a hundred percent one difference i have seen and i'm really really like hats off to emma as well because i remember emma hyman the person pro when i went to her this is when i first started compact and i came to her with um some heels without a platform and i remember bringing the flare 408s now they're the most popular style hands down in this industry now and i do think it's because of me and emma figuring out i said to her i've no one's really ordered these heels in, but I've just kind of thrown them in the order that I was doing for customs anyway. I was like, I think these are making a massive difference because I couldn't hit the side post properly. I was too stumbly. I couldn't get that glute elevated and I just didn't feel stable. And I was like, I think these are the, I said, I think more girls need to be wearing these. And then slowly but surely, Emma, I remember Emma reposted one of my infographics of literally talking about the difference and why people should be going for a platform. Then suddenly, every everyone was wearing the platform and everyone was saying even to this day when I go to Emma's seminars I see girls turn up and I'm like try these on quickly and they're like oh my god this is like amazing I'm like it's the smallest platform but they're worried because it's half an inch higher heel I'm like yeah but it's the platform that makes it bigger like or higher but it offsets it so you don't even feel the difference but you have have that small bit of stability which you can literally like nail your foot into the floor like it all starts on the feet if you can't stabilize yourself you're not going to be able to hit that side pose correctly like hands down you won't be able to um unless you're pro and you've been doing this for years when you first start out like it is so so important to get the right heels um because it i think you could probably say i, I could have saved myself a lot of months of not getting it right and yeah. you 
I think it does make a difference long term. And, and that's exactly why I want to get you in the podcast. That I knew there was a lot of bikini girls that that listen to the podcast, but also that I'll work with. And um, I don't have a fucking clue about heels. And for, <laughs> fortunately, um, I've had a few bikini girls for a wee while that do. And uh, in the group chat, they, they, they chat a little bit more. But I thought it'd be good to get the expert on heels in the current industry at the moment, which is yourself. Now, So funny, though. So funny on the expert on heels. Because I, I, I never, ever, ever, ever thought I'd be person, the person talking about heels in yeah this detail when i was a kid it's crazy <laughs> it's so weird because i wasn't allowed to wear heels and then i could wear heels and try them on and yeah it's very very strange but, well, um, well whoever, we whoever told you that you would never wear them you certainly proved them wrong exactly, <laughs> exactly. now we spoke about heels and the listeners will be thinking right i've got to get my heels for show eight, eight weeks out or way before that sorry way before that but when we get to eight weeks out, you mentioned get everything. Now, someone out there's went, what does she mean by everything? Now, from a, as a male coach, I would say, oh, you need your bikini, yeah. you need your, you need your sort of, uh, your your posing heels, and really, I just say you need your tiny makeup. But I'm not a girl, right? You're a girl. <laughs> you know what they need. So if there was like a list of like you like must haves and potentially backups, yeah. what what would that be for someone out somewhere out there with a pen and paper that's way to write this down? What would that be? Uh-huh. So I, I actually have got a blog post which is due to come out, I think, next month, uh, because, again, I couldn't find a list. But from my experience, especially when I tan as well, um, it doesn't matter whether I'm competing at that show, tanning at that show. Basically, if I'm going to a show, doesn't matter whatever reason, I always bring backups and stuff for other people because I know they're going to get used. Like, the amount of times that people's shoes break on show day. Don't know why. I think they just get a little bit nervous, yank it, and they're like, my straps come up. And I'm just like, oh my God. And then coupled with the fact that they've worn it super, super tight when they didn't need to be wearing it that tight. Like, if you wear, then this is something um, that is difficult for me to kind of talk about, but it is important. Like, if you're wearing the same pair of heels, if you're practicing in them half an hour a day for 16 weeks straight and you're wearing that strap too tight, naturally, it's, it's going to go. If you wore the same like shoes for that long, like they are going to kind of give um, to some degree. So 100% you need a backup pair of shoes. Even if your shoes are still looking great, like I still wear the same flare four or eights that I've had for two years and I've never broken them. Um, but I still bring a backup because you never ever know what's going to be happening. Uh, sewing kit, you definitely need to have a sewing kit because um, there are girls that have been like, my connector snaps. Can you help me? And I've had to learn how to sew connector on and all this sort of thing. Um, jewelry, like I wouldn't say bracelets, like they'd be fine. It's usually kind of I say earrings. A lot of people kind of misplace their earrings or the back falls off, um, or they leave them at home like I did that one time. So, yeah, I would say backup jewellery, um, backup shoes. You need some, You need something to kind of, oh, a mirror, definitely a mirror, because if you're backstage in, in some changing rooms, they haven't got a lot of mirrors, and it's very, very cramped, so you want to make sure you have a mirror. Everything else, like, obviously it's important, but I would say, like, if you, if you literally had only a couple of items that, that, that you could bring. I'd definitely say backup shoes, backup jewellery, um, and a mirror. They're probably going to be the top things. And a sewing kit. Okay, wicked. Now, when it comes to... Obviously, we've got the shoes, we've got everything sorted. Now, you'll see... like One of the main things that competitors will complain about is often the cost of competing in general. right? So a lot of people try and do everything yeah. on the sort of... Not budget, but you know, as, as, as sort of feasible, yeah. feasible as they can. So when it comes to, let's say, whether it's second-hand bikinis, I don't know, perhaps even know, do they do second-hand shoes? What would be your sort of recommendation on that for first-time competitors? Is that something that you would say, go for, don't do, or, or what's your thoughts? First, I, I think if we're referring to the compact marketplace that I have, um, and I again, I, this is how much I've done in lockdown. I've got all these things planned. I've planned a, a blog post let's talk about this um if you're a first timer buy a plain bikini from a designer and do it yourself don't go and buy a second hand bikini purely because 
you don't know what your waist, you don't know what your hip and your waist measurements are going to be like. So you might buy it eight weeks out and it fits you, but then when you get to show day, it's it's loose, it's baggy, and no bikini bite or bikini tape is going to save you. So I would a hundred percent if you're a first timer and you're trying to save money, get a plain bikini from them and then buy the gems yourself and just apply them yourself. Do a very very simple design, um, and that will easily save you like at least I don't know two hundred quid something like that. Um, secondhand shoes, yeah, I'd say that's not a bad shout, to be honest. Um, if you know that the shoe's going to be good for you. Um, in terms of what else, other things, again, I think I have got a blog post about this, like how does actually save money, but little things you can do. So with two bros, like, it's a little bit um, difficult, because obviously you have to register the night before. Whereas if you're going for a show where you register the same day of the actual show, then there's nothing stopping you from doing the base coat of tan yourself and then getting the top coat done with the tanners because that will save you not only the hotel you would be paying for the night before, which is, right, for example, might be £70, you'll probably save yourself about £30 on doing the base coat yourself. So instantly there, you've got £100 more to play around with. And people get really, really nervous about doing their own tan. It's no different. And worst case scenario, if you wake up in, in the morning and you've got like a handprint or something like that, you're going to see the tanners anyway, so they will be able to sort it out. Like just make sure you use the same brand that they're using. Like most shows use ProTan. Um, if you're doing Black Magic, then ProTan base coat works well with Black Magic, so you can do that as well. Um, so yeah, they're kind of like little things that you kind of can save money doing. Um, I know some people do their own hair and makeup. I'm useless at it. So I know that's something I will have to pay out for because I can't do it. I've kind of got all right my hair, but makeup, I would never try and do myself. Um, but tan, I would. So it kind of just depends. See, it's, really. fun, it's funny that you say that about tanning because, like, even I haven't, not an, it's not a fear, it's just an innate thing inside me that's like, well, what if I fuck my tan up? What if I fuck yeah. my base cup? I don't want to look shit. Um, and it instantly just makes me be like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pay for it. Um, yeah. I, c- I can't say. Well, I, I would always say that I've always been able to do my own hair, which isn't a bad thing being a guy. <laughs> but I guess that's one thing that perhaps some females aren't aware of. First timers is is how much the reality of an actual competitive season or competitive show could cost. Now, yeah. I know you mentioned you've got a blog post coming up about it. But if you were able to share on this podcast about perhaps just every as much as you, you could think of, um, then we can maybe work out exactly a figure, a rough estimate of how much it costs from literally starter prep to, to show day. Where do we start? I probably should, I probably should do a blog post on that. Be, that would be quite interesting to actually go from, okay, if you're 16 weeks out, how much is it going to cost you? So what was the question? Like, from talking from that how many weeks out, what would I do to save money? Well, there you go. I was just going to say how much would it cost you, but you just said what could it be to save money. I think that's a much better sort of topic. So, yeah. Um, Putting you on the spot here. I'm trying to think. So, I'm trying to think how, because I actually do Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, even to this day, I still do Excel spreadsheets of how much my show day is going to cost me like, the whole season. And usually, like, I'm not the sort of person that will buy multiple bikinis. I will wear the same bikini and I will rinse that thing because I spent a lot of money on it um I usually try and do my like I'm, I am going to start to try and do my hair myself um I do my base coat myself but even then I think it, I was I think yeah I did a two bros PCA and Maui Pro I think altogether it ends up costing about two thousand pound but take into consideration I didn't technically have to pay for a lot of my essentials because it's through my business. So maybe like 2,500. I went into Mami Pro with a non, with a bodybuilding style bikini and I just used jewelry and hair just to kind of like tweak it and it worked. So, like, so um, yeah, it's, I think you're really looking, you, if you're trying to do this, you need to factor in, I'd say at least three and a half if you're gonna cover your coaching X money for food, posing, all that sort of thing. Um, whether you bank that across like the year before um, or stuff like that. But yeah, instead of saving um, money when I'm on prep, 
it's kind of, I think one thing that people will spend, it's funny, you eat less, but you'll spend more on food because you'll spend more money on those like hacks. Whereas it's kind of pick and choosing because if you're not careful, like say you're picking up, I don't know, like if you're really trying to save money and you're picking up a monster and then you're picking up jelly and then you're picking up something else every single day, that's going to add up massively. Like you could easily spend like five, ten pounds a day extra on those little things and like 70 pounds a week. Like that really could add up. So it's kind of picking and choosing um, those little hacks. Freezers, you God send the amount of times I, I remember when I first started, I would time correctly going to like the co-op or Tesco to go to that reduced aisle, but like, here we go, boom, boom, boom. Even like choosing more um, cost-effective like carb sources. So I've never bought Kellogg's. I'm a very much like a non-branded sort of girl. Like those little things do make a difference. But yeah. I think it just kind of depends on how much I Because I think that when, when someone competes, especially for the first time, and I and I think back to my first prep, I just went in this like this little bubble world, and I was just kind of like, I didn't, I, it wasn't really like it was real life, and I didn't really know what was kind of going on out with my bubble. It was just okay if it if it cost that much, I'd find a way to pay for it, and and that was okay, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of people get like that without realizing, you know, it gets three four months after the show, and they go, fuck, I'm skin, I've, I, <laughs> I've blew, I've blew all my savings, but. Yeah. You get, you get so wrapped up, it becomes your sort of, your be-all, end-all. But I think that sort of leads us nicely on to something that you didn't tell us about at the start was your own journey. You just mentioned mm. that you, you competed one, two, three, right? And someone's went, whoa, well, what's Mammy Pro? What's that? What's that? So could you yeah. give us a little more detail about, okay, when was it you, when was it you competed? How, you know, who was it with? Um, because I think okay. you're, quite, you're quite humble. You, you know, you've done you've done pretty well. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of women that look up to you, um, especially from a... a both a, a physique perspective, but also a business, and you've underwent a, a even more sort of recent transformation with Cal. So, t- take us back to, to those sort of first few days of competing and what you did. God, here we go. So, this is like the unofficial first show. I was 21 at university, and it's a guy, um, not a guy, it's a show called Fit Factor. It's not on anymore, but it was basically the fitness model search at Body Power. So I did that, I was ooing and ahhing about competing for the, probably the first half of my third year of uni, and it was after three people passing away quite close to me within like six months, it's like boom, 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 where I just thought, like, screw this, like, I need to just, I just need to do this, stop worrying, just freaking do it. Yeah. I coached myself, had no idea what I was doing, um, and for me, it was just getting on stage and getting over that anxiety because when I was younger I was quite severely bullied um, to the point that I would skip school I would not I would literally walk at the back of my class because I the way that my knees fall that I've got knock knees that turn in right. I was picked on all the time for that people literally like kick my knees would fall over like it was quite brutal sure. um, so it did affect me quite a lot when I was a kid so for me as I say getting to competing it was to get stronger and to overcome the fear of people watching me walk and I always remember that before I go on stage any time now I'm like oh I'm not scared of this anymore I, I don't even care if it's like a slight chat I just don't care now um so that's kind of where it started I got through yeah I did like got through just, like the first like day or something but it was just like it was just the best thing anyway just to be able to do it and then I came I went away um took a year out um, I think, yes, yeah, so I just graduated and I had no money because, you know, uni life. So, yeah, did the PCA uh, Hampshire and that was in June 2017. Um, I got first call out, centre stage, didn't place, but I was still super, super happy. Just to get first call outs, I was like, buzzing, love this, all good. Um, and I was, my weight... I got really, really good feedback, but I basically wasn't lean enough, and I was like, that's fair. I still have no idea what I'm doing in this sport, so all good. Um, and it was that prep, 2017, where the idea for Compact came, and I kind of was in this position where thinking, do I keep going for shows, or do I actually take a step back and really focus? Because like, I had no experience with anything to do with business. Like, I was just someone that liked creative stuff and marketing, so I thought... If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but I need to really 
prepare myself. So I went to every single business seminar possible. Like any county council in the UK will have their own like startup hub where you basically can get so much free resources, so many free seminars. You can even get grants if you want to. Um, so I spent the whole of those six months anything about HR, legal, finance, cash flow, product, like anything. I was like, yes, yes, just give this, all this information to me because I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, then started the business March 2018. Um, and that was quite a stressful time actually because Joe's um, dad was really poorly. So we had to care for him because um, he basically had two decompression spinal surgeries which left him paralyzed from the waist down um so that was quite a stressful time but i just even with everything going on i thought there's never a right time to start a business so i just need to do it Um, and then that's when i did the whole experimentation season for what i call it so did pca again i came in like i think it was i can't remember maybe like a stone lighter i came in so lean like, and during that time, PCA were going for quite lean like looks. Um, got first call outs, center stage again. So I was like, oh my god, I might actually like get the invitation to the finals. Didn't get it. Got the first call outs again, and I was like, what? I just thought, girl can't catch a break here. So I then went for feedback, um, and they I got very very conflicting feedback. Um, one judge was like, you were too lean. The other judge was like, you wasn't lean enough. So I came away thinking. I have no idea what's going on here. Um, and I remember the week after, I was sitting in Nando's that evening with Joe. Um, what was I think I had like a ham, like one of the burgers, and it was amazing. Hello, Bobby. Um, and then I just remember seeing like a post on Instagram from two boys being like, oh, last call to like enter. And I wasn't doing it because I thought, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. And I just thought, you know what? Sod it. Like, I, I don't do this stuff to be serious. I do this stuff just to have a laugh and a bit of a crack. So I just thought, yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm just going to do it. So I, you know, last minute, entered in, had to go learn completely from scratch, all the posing, um, all that sort of thing. And again, I only went in for novice because I thought, oh, I'm not good enough at open. Again, completely putting those bowies in front of myself, right? And it was Jane Johnson, I don't know if you know her. Um, she was backstage. She was saying, oh, so you're going off open? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't do it. But she goes, why? And I was like, oh, I'm just, I just, you know, it's fine, it's fine. She literally grabs my hand, took me backstage, and he, he and she said to the guy, can you get this girl into her open class? She's at the end, she's, she's in the school class. And I had no, like, no signal, no money on me. And she paid for my entry to go, so just pay me back later. And if it wasn't for her doing that wow. and me just going for it, I wouldn't have got my first ever top three places. And that was at the Amateur Olympia. So it was like, what the hell is going on? But it just, and I always say this to people now, don't not go for a federation because you don't think you're good enough, because you don't know until you've done it. Like, you seriously have no idea until you have done it. I know that, because I was that person. Um, and then, yeah, after that, I was actually really torn between doing the Wabba, um, which was another bodybuilding star federation, or Miami Pro, which was on the same weekend. And I kind of just sat back and thought, there's so, at this point, there's a lot going on with Wabba. It was very stressful. And I thought, you know what? I just, I just want to have a good laugh. I know some of the girls that are doing Miami Pro. My friends are going to laugh so hard at Jasmine Jeffrey trying to do sass on stage. So go on, let's just have a crack. Um, so yeah, just did it. Hair flicked away through it. Uh, I did bikini, uh, did place, didn't get caught out. Um, I did model, and that's when I got another third place and the pro status. So, um, oh God, that was hilarious though. I thought, no, I have not just blanked myself through this. Like, I had no inhibitions. I was just full on sassing. <laughs> I was having the time of my life. But it was the best day because it was so much backstage banter. And I just, I, that's for me. I know some people take it, it's not because I don't take it seriously, but for me, because I've already accomplished the main goal it was meant to do for me, anything above that is a bonus. And yeah. it's such a personal thing. So, yeah, that's a bit of like an insight into the journey for 2018. Um, coming out of that into 2019, so I came out of that prep. I was in a very, very stressed like position personally with stuff going on. And my body, like, everyone knows this anyway. Like, on top of having post-show blues, 
my hormone signaling, my hunger, everything was not settling. It 100% was not settling. Uh, my period wasn't coming back. And I was just getting in such a weird place with everything, with like food. And I was like, whoa, like this, I don't like where I am right now, but I don't know what to do about it. And I was chatting with Joe, he just goes, you just need to eat to hunger. He goes, you're going to gain a lot of weight at the beginning. He's like, but if you really want to do another show, he's like, your body's so stressed. He goes, you just need to trust me and you need to do this. And the funny thing is, that's Stephanie Buttermore did the all in. I did that a few months before and I didn't know what I was doing, but I actually pretty much followed the same process that she did, but just a little bit earlier on. Um, So yeah, like my weight, obviously, and I am going to post this photo at some point, but it's just like, oh my God. Um, So yeah, it, it wasn't nice. Like my weight, I didn't feel comfortable in how I looked. I didn't like how I looked at all, but I kind of thought I can either still try and diet track and get myself in a worse position, both mentally and physically, or I can just take a step back, get everything sorted, and then let my body settle, and then see what happens. So I'll be honest, I'll put up weights and stuff. So my weight ballooned up to 177 pounds, and then over the course of that year, um, it slowly, I, I dropped 10 pounds. It wasn't even me doing anything. It was just obviously all my hunger, settling, appetite, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, 167 pounds is when I came to Cal. And I said to him, I don't know if I want to prep or not. I said, but I feel like I'm in a really good place. I was like, I just want to do this for me. I don't want anyone knowing what I'm doing. Um, I just want to do this for me. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, we'll aim for July shows, but you know, I said to him, we might go for the show, we might not. I said, I might get to a point and think, yeah, I'm cool. Um, so yeah, moving on from that, obviously we've, um, I think we've lost I think it's been like maybe 20 pounds now. So I'll probably move a bit up from that now. But I'm in such a good place. Like, I didn't feel the need to compete this year, even though I'm probably, like, I could probably get do the show in September. But I'm just so chill. Like, I'm in such a good place. I don't feel um, like crap feels right now. So yeah, that's sorry, that's a real, real long like spill. But that's pretty much the whole journey. And I haven't spoken about last year. Um, a lot just because I was just trying to get my own head like in a good place before I kind of you know spoke about it and how it's helped me so much to feel like myself again um, and I feel like I'm so much more productive now like I'm back to my productive happy yeah. chilled <laughs> self um, and I didn't need the stage to do that either so that was pretty cool I think um, I think there's a lot of messages in there for any first time competitor to, to know that you have like you've done it all. You've been through the trenches. You've got. You've went to the stage. You've had the glitz and the glam, but you've also went to the the side of it after where perhaps health was compromised and as you said, hunger signal and whatnot. But you've done it and you've you've came through it and you're 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 in for the better. So yeah. what, what a better person to to learn from or to buy heels from or anything you need from show day apart from yourself. I think that's pretty cool. Um, the story you just said about everything that you went through. And I think what it will. I hope. I hope what it does for any sort of competitors that, that compete and feel the need to compete for status or whatnot, realise that it's not all about that and you don't necessarily yeah. need to do that. And it's it's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's just, it's cool to speak to someone that, that likes to do it just for the crack and, and isn't quite as like, I'm going to fucking get this pro card. I'm gonna, you know, you just do it for the, the love of it. And, and that's awesome as well. Yeah. I, think, I think that's often lost in the industry today. Um, I don't know if you feel I the get same. some weird looks um, backstage because I always remember PCA London, me and um, the other Martina, we were just having, oh my God, it was hilarious. We were like grunting, pumping up. Oh, it was just so much fun. But everyone else was so serious. I said to Martina, I think, like, if I like drop something, everyone's going to stare at me. And I just thought, oh god, like it's just not me. And I, I feel respect people that are like those hardcore bodybuilders, but I, I personally can't. I, I can relate, but not like to the extent that they do, because everyone competes for different reasons, which is absolutely cool. But the only thing that I tend to see um, is people that they're having the best day until they don't get the placing, and then yeah. they come off and they, they like you could just see it on their faces. And they're they're angry, they're pissed off, they speak to people rudely, they're like they're just having a hitty fit. And I'm just sitting there like, you had the best day before you stepped on stage, and now you haven't. Like if you can't walk away, like Mammy Pro, right? I thought I 
have replaced because Bikini didn't get the call out. Miss Model, they brought everyone out like together. So at this point, I thought, nah, I've definitely not done this. But I said, I remember saying to Joe, I was like, I don't even know the results, but I've had the best day. I was like, I've loved every single day of this. And it's still my favourite show to date because of the memory that I made. Um, whereas, unfortunately, you do see the other side where people, like, they obviously you want to win. Um, but if you've gone to enough shows, you know that you can't control everything that happens. Like, it's just, it is kind of potluck in the sense that you don't know who's turning up. You don't know what the judges are liking. Like, you don't know how you're going to be bringing it. And if you take it to that extent... I don't think it's the. I personally don't think it's the right thing to do because you'll get so you'll get into the side of competing and bodybuilding where you're so sucked in, it can becomes dark and you don't want it to come dark. Like you want it to be fun, fun. You want it to be fun still. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think. I just come find me and I, I just be like, well, it's all good. <laughs> I think uh, when I did my first prep, I got sucked into that, and I spent I wasted five months being like, you know, I, I, I want to win, I'm going to win, blah, blah, and then it didn't happen, and thinking that the world was ending, and, and was really sort of like lost for quite a few months, and I lo- you know, I'll often work with a lot of, it's what, what we do as a brand, work with sort of first timers, and when they come out with the, I want to compete, and I say, right, cool, we're going to compete, but the ultimate goal is to step on stage, you know, we'll see what happens um, on the day, but that's our goal, and then they get like halfway through the prep, and then they go, oh, do you think I could place, and I go, stop right there it's not about that for you it's about getting up there don't be wrong by all means there might be some absolute fucking genetic freaks out there that for the first time they go on and you're just like whoa get, give a minute <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but for, for <laughs> if you were to look at the statistics not a lot of people the first time they're competing will actually place but they often what i what i think i see in the industry is that they value self-worth from a placing and then perhaps go into as you said some dark places whether that be mentally or uh with with perhaps food would you agree yeah um i'll be honest i actually when i think about athletes i like betting on an unstock when i look at people down um i i would prefer someone who hasn't always placed but has stuck at it and has really worked hard for example holly davidge and I took her on, I think she had one third place, and that was it, hand place in other shows. And, she's, and she even said to me, why, why are you taking me on? I was like, I relate to you. I was like, I can see a lot of myself in you. And I was like, and I like taking a chance. I, I like helping those people and, and helping them to elevate themselves. And you've got to think about the most successful people in this industry. A lot of them didn't place their first time. Like Emma Hyman, quite, like clear example. She didn't start placing until like maybe what three years in, something like that. Um, and the thing is, the people that don't place are the ones that once they get that placing, God, they're grateful and they're not cocky. Whereas if you and this isn't like a kind of like a blanket thing. If you do, if it is your first time and you do place, I don't want it to. Take, I don't want people to kind of feel like I'm taking that away from at all because they 100 percent deserve it. But just don't let it get to you because the only problem is once you've got first you don't want to get into the mentality of right anything below that is rubbish i think that's where you've got to strike the balance yeah yeah 100 percent. i think that that brings you on to one of my last points a couple last points which was what would be the biggest advice you would give to first-time competitors i think you've said so much during this episode but if there was one sort of just golden nugget and it could be to do with anything at all one piece of advice for first-time competitors what would it be don't think you're not good enough. Just do it. Like, just don't even, like, don't even, when you're clicking that enter button, like register, just do it. Don't even think. Just like, yeah, I'm going for open. Yeah, I'm going to go for this big show. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, just don't think. Just do. The amount of times in my business, um, people have asked me things or I've had opportunities. And I'm just like, yeah. Like, I, I don't even think. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, go on then. Do you want to speak at a, at a seminar? Yeah, go on then. And then the next day I'm thinking, oh my God, I'll just suggest to that. And I hate public speaking and all that. But if you don't put yourself out of your comfort zone, you just won't, you won't get anywhere. Like you just won't. And I was so self-conscious and so scared of like public speaking and all that sort of thing. And the only way that I've gotten better 
is by doing it consistently so don't go for like a little show because you think you're not good enough like if you really want to do well then screw it go for a big show learn from the best network with the best immerse yourself with the best like that's surely what you want to be doing right 100 um, so I... yeah i think that's probably my biggest advice is don't think just do it and just go for it like you just never know you just never know so. just, just do it now and worry about it tomorrow Exactly. Love it. It's okay. Um, now, something that perhaps could either be uh, bodybuilding related or not, and something I often, um, if I have time, I like to ask um, guests on is just what what's one of the biggest lessons in life that you've learned? And from that lesson, is there anything um, you would say to anyone listening that's perhaps went through or going through the same? Um, I'd probably say, hmm, like for me, my mental health, like I've spoken about it before, like I've suffered from depression in the past. Um, I wouldn't say it's a hundred, it never really goes, especially when you had it from a young age. Um, but one thing I always, even when I have like those really dark moments and people will relate to this probably now as well, it's like, I always put in the back of my head, like this isn't gonna last forever. Like whether you're feeling really, really shit right now or whether you're feeling like so elevated, like. No, nothing lasts forever so just kind of remind yourself of that and when I had the days especially when first when COVID happened I was thinking oh my god like I've put all this work into this business and now like I did the calculations to Joe I was like if I get no sales I can't I can't get to the end of this year and I like I remember sitting there crying full-on crying and then I was like no everything's temporary because it is like everything is always temporary um, and you can always bounce back. Like I've learned that through this process, especially this year, um, is that you can bounce back. You've just got to hang in there um, and just keep slowly but surely, like putting yourself like in little comfort zones. Just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Because over time, that is going to add up so so much. Um, this industry, I honestly think it's probably it's now the one of the most friendliest. Like it's such an everyone's there to help. Um, just surround yourself with the right people and, yeah, you'll be fine. Fantastic. Be that's, fine. that's awesome. Uh, now, for anyone listening that's perhaps never heard of you before and they want to get in touch with you, they want to check your website or your Instagram, could you just perhaps leave um, some details for them so they can get in touch? Uh, yes. So there's quite a few. I'll probably make it a bit too difficult. So there's not just Bikini Girl, uh, which is the Instagram of the podcast, um, Compact Women's or Compact.store, and then my own personal one, which is, I think it's Jasmine Julia. Yeah, Jasmine Julia Jeffrey. Um, yeah, there's loads of different avenues, but yeah, take your pick. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, for anyone um, who is listening, um, I would say go and follow Jasmine, go and buy her shoes. They are top quality, top drawer. Um, herself and her, her husband, um, both an amazing couple. Um, two, two people I'm I'm very very happy uh, to know in the industry. Um, and you know Joe Joe is phenomenal. I've learned so much from him. Um, but behind every good man is a, is an even better lady. So that's that <laughs> that's how we learn. So, um, thank you for coming on. Uh, I know that uh, my team uh, will will really appreciate it. But I know that the listeners will get huge value considering that. Um, They'll all be looking to compete next year, no doubt. Um, and I think that you dropped some some really amazing knowledge bombs. Um, so thank you for Roll on 2021, folks. That's what keeps going to everyone. Roll on 2021. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Now, if you're listening, um, whatever you do, whatever you are, give it the beans.